Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Easy Conversations, a podcast about having easy conversations. I'm your host for Candandia. In this week's episode, I sit down with my new friend Maruva and we talk about topics such as existential crisis, uh, living in fear, and self-love. Uh, Maruva shares his own story of um, not being able to be himself and the turmoil that caused in his life and how over the past couple of years he's been able to find this newfound love for himself and how it's changed his life. I hope you can get a lot from this episode because I sure did. If at the end you leave a review, I would really appreciate it. Maruva, thanks for uh, joining the podcast today. I appreciate you taking the time and super grateful for uh, you reaching out to me. Um, and then just for the listeners, you know, you and I connected over Instagram. Uh, it feels like I connect with a lot of my guests over Instagram. And I've been fortunate enough to meet a, a lot of cool people, including yourself. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, before we get started, I kind of want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself a little bit just to kind of uh, put into context, you know, your story, and then we'll get into some of the topics we've wanted to discuss. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me here as well. And yeah, Instagram, I agree. Instagram is such a great place to connect um, with people. Yeah. But my name is Maruva, which is short form for Marve Nika, which in full means flowers of the word in my language, Shona, which oh. I was from Zimbabwe. It's the official language of Zimbabwe. Uh, by day, I am a small business advisor, and then by night, I am a podcaster, aspiring writer, public speaker, LGBTQIA plus activist, brother, cousin, nice. Beyonce fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who isn't a Beyonce fan? But it sounds like you've got a lot of things on the go, and it seems like you're you're doing a lot of work uh, in in a lot of good causes. So that's amazing, and. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so maybe explain like uh, where the whole um, motivation of being an activist, especially as you mentioned, the LGBTQ plus community, where, what, what has motivated you to be an activist in that space? Well, first and foremost, I am a gay man, um, identify as a gay man. Mm-hmm. And I always got frustrated because when you look at the public sphere with all the LGBTQI plus icons that we have, First of all, most of them are Caucasian, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that's just the fact that most of the icons now it's changing. We're seeing more people of color coming up to the platform to offer their narratives. But I was so frustrated that when I looked at all of them, I wasn't seeing a lot of representation for African born, African raised black men. Mm-hmm. And even now I don't really see it. There's just far fewer and far in between. So that's what motivated me to sort of come forth and start talking about my story and my journey um, because I wanted someone else out there, whether it's in my home country, Zimbabwe, or, or any other place in Africa, really, to look at my story and say, hey, I, I get to do this too. I get to fight for myself. I get mm-hmm. to believe that I'm worthy, that you know everyone else around me is wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the primary reason why, because I want to create more. I want to be part of the group that's creating more visibility for gay African men. Yeah, where it comes from. 
No, yeah. and that's amazing. And I think one of the important things you touched on is being worthy because, you know, we often talk about from a human rights perspective and uh, especially, you know, like uh, coming to Canada, there's, there's that whole concept of being accepted uh, as a mm. foreigner or an outsider. But, you know, we don't really look at it from the, the perspective of someone that may be gay or, or bisexual or lesbian, you know, like from that community, we don't look at it from that perspective, right? So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and without like, so, you know, I don't have a lot of knowledge, but is it something that's openly accepted in Africa? Well, in my, well, I can't, I, I, I wouldn't want to speak for any other African nations. Yeah. Um, it's such a large continent, but in yeah. my home country, Zimbabwe, it's not accepted. It's criminalized uh -huh. uh, by our um, constitution as well as the criminal code. They don't condone any sort of uh, same sex or even, as you know, under the LGBTQIA plus umbrella, it's not just gays and lesbians, it's bisexuals, inter, you know, inter, intersexuality, mm -hmm. trans, yes. you know, et cetera. It's not condoned at all. And there's this pretense, which bugs me, this pretense that um, people in that community don't exist. I think I heard someone saying on another podcast that there's, no, there's this notion that we're living on some island somewhere, mm -hmm. that, that's some remote island, and it's not true. We're part of the community. We're everywhere. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's what it is in Zimbabwe, and nobody wants to talk about it. People yeah. know about it. But yeah. nobody wants to have the conversation about it and say, this is it. This is what's happening. This is real. Yeah. We can't just pretend that it's like it's not here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, of course. It's awful. It's, it's like the law doesn't want you to exist. And your family doesn't want you to exist. Your friend doesn't want you to exist either. So it's right. hard. Yeah. 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 And I guess it's for most people, it's easier to avoid rather than face the topic right if they can avoid yeah. it and just not cause any trouble then like it's like let's avoid ruffling feathers right so yeah so i can imagine yeah. that must be really frustrating and and i feel like a lot of countries in the world um i don't know if it's whether it's lack of awareness or lack of people taking initiative um you know there's other influences too but it is a problem across the world um mm -hmm. but but one of the things you mentioned uh, uh you know it's as a as a man of color and being gay it's it's only become more prominent recently so mm -hmm. so i guess you know from that perspective like some of the things i've been reading in psychology is the whole mental health challenges that come with being marginalized and in your case mm -hmm. it's it's you know you're gay and you're also colored so there's that marginalization that comes from both angles and um, I wanted to understand, like, I know we've touched on it briefly, but um, I guess to get into it a bit deeper, did you experience that? Yes, absolutely. And I'm still healing from it. I'm still healing from it, you know, doing therapy, which is uh, helping me a lot. But as I was saying earlier, it's that idea that every single person around you doesn't want you to exist. Mm -hmm. So you start believing that, you start believing that maybe I shouldn't exist, which is where that suicidal ideation comes from, right. right? The idea that, okay, so I have no place in this society, then what's the point of me being here? Mm -hmm. According to the Bible that I'm reading at church, I'm an abomination. According to my grandmother or my father, I'm not man enough to carry the family name. Mm 
-hmm. according to my friend, I'm an embarrassment to his other peers when I'm talking about certain things. So it's all those forces coming together and just suffocating you and preventing you from self-actualizing properly. It's very, very, very hard uh, because it, it becomes difficult for you to have a space to develop that self-love language, right? So that's what I experienced. Mm-hmm. The only thing is when I started really living through it, which is around when I recognized that I was in pain, but didn't really understand what kind of pain this was, I was 13. That's mm-hmm. when I really started kind of understanding. I think everybody around 12 or 13, you start seeing the world differently. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're rationalizing things around you. So that's when I started really realizing that, oh my gosh, I'm carrying a death wish, right? I I, I don't want to be here. So I suffered with that for such a long time, 17 years in total. I just, I I ignored that this pain was there. And I always tried to find, I always tried to find something to distract myself, whether it was my alcohol addiction Mm -hmm. or when I had my drug phase Mm -hmm. or when I was fucking everybody around the block, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, literally. There was always something within those 17 years that I was doing to distract me from the fact that I was suffering. Um, but I, in saying that, I realized how lucky I am because right around that time, that's when my family and I relocated to North America. Mm-hmm. So at least I got the opportunity to go to a place where I had the option to actually be free, given the strides that North American society has have made in terms of LGBTQIA plus rights. But then it breaks my heart because people in my country that are there right now don't have that space yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a very, very, very long time for them to have that space to properly heal as I am healing. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, it's just no. Hey, um, and it's part of why going back to your other question, why I want to dedicate myself to to this type of activism, not just only promoting the rights, but also just the mental health aspect of it, the 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 resilience aspect of it, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I. Uh, I know this must be really tough. So it's, uh, I appreciate you sharing all of this and, you know, I can feel your emotions too. So, um, you know, I think this is obviously a very sensitive topic and, and I can, I can't even imagine the, the, uh, the challenges you must've faced. And, you know, when you describe the people that are still back home who, are probably fighting this battle day in and day out. Like my heart goes out to them, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't even imagine not being able to be myself and mm-hmm. pretending to be someone else. And and you described it, right? Like we, you know, like I think when you do go through an existential crisis, you almost try to numb that pain because it is it is a suffering. And, you know, you described it through whether it was alcohol addiction or drugs, like there's many forms of numbing the pain. Um, Mm -hmm. At what point did it for you come to a, like, the realization that, you know, you don't want to suffer anymore. And, And as you've described, you're going through that healing process and therapy. But what was that 
moment for you where you were like, okay, you know, I can't, I can't live like this. Or if I continue to do this, I won't be living. 2018, fall of 2018, I was sitting on top of a mental breakdown that kept growing and growing over days, over weeks, over months. And I specifically have this memory of me going into an elevator when I was going, I was going to work in the morning and I stepped into the elevator and I, now that I look back, I realized that I was having a panic attack, like a legitimate panic attack. I couldn't breathe properly. So I'm in the elevator and my HR manager walks in. We had a very good relationship. Um, she was actually groomed me to be a leader of the, like at one of the departments of, of the company at the time. Mm-hmm. But she walks in and then she just looks at me. She's like, oh my gosh, what's happening, right? So I'm having this panic attack. And then um, a couple of days after that incident, my supervisor just comes to my desk and she says, can you come to a meeting with me? And then I said, okay. Um, I, I thought it was performance then because my, my job, I had started tanking. I didn't care about what I was doing. I was finding shortcuts everywhere. I was behind doing everything. It was just awful. So I thought it was just another performance review just to tell me how badly I was doing. So I go to the meeting, I walk in, and then my HR manager is sitting there. And she just says, you need to go home. You need to take a break. You're not well. I was so defensive about it when she said it because, you know, in my head, I was like, I got this. I can do this. I was writing this high that I'm on top of everything. You know, I'm a big shot. I'm working for a Fortune 500 corporate company. I got these fancy shoes. Look at my Instagram. You know, all that yeah. bullshit, that millennial, millennial, millennial nonsense that yeah. you didn't do. So I, I was so defensive. I was, I was like, what do you mean? You know, I don't need anything. And then she just kept insisting, you're not well. You need to take a break. And I don't know how she did it, but she broke the fourth wall with me. And I just started crying in that office. And I kid you not, she took the phone that was in front of me and then she pushed it in my face and she says, call your doctor. I need you to call your doctor. And I was so embarrassed because I didn't even have a family doctor. Mm -hmm. So I started crying even more. Mm -hmm. I was like, my God, I don't even have a doctor to take care of my health. I was so humiliated. You have no idea. Even as I say this right now, I can feel the humiliation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's when my um, other supervisor just walked out and then they brought back my thing and then that's when I went on a mental disability break uh, for about three to four months that's when I had the, the silence that I needed to realize that I was in danger <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's when I had the silence that I needed to articulate the fact that I was struggling with suicidal depression and say it, say the words. I'm suicidal. I, I, I have thoughts about killing myself and say them as much as I can to be comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. That period, that's when it all happened um, in 2018. And then my mother came to my rescue. Love her so much. Um, mm-hmm. She came to my rescue and that's when she started teaching me that self-love language. She first said, I want to introduce you to your mentor. And his name is Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. So I started reading his book, A Long Walk to Freedom. And then she came back. She was like, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Let's just do things from the basics. I want you to eat well. 
I want you to be excited about, you know, what you're cooking, whatever it is that you're doing, just slow down. And she said, what you're doing right now is not about you getting good at it. This is not something that you have to conquer because she knows that I'm ambitious and competitive. She said, no, this is for you. So that's mm-hmm. when, like, like I said, that silence gave me the opportunity to, um, to start living the right way. Mm-hmm. So I was literally shocked. It wasn't me realizing, oh, I need to do better. It was somebody else noticing that I was crashing or I had already crashed. I was yeah. flat on the floor. And she's like, you need to get up. You need to rise, right? So 2018, I started the work. And now here we are. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's an amazing yeah. story, and you know it's it's pretty cool that your mom was the one who came and she was able to guide you in that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah no, I'm. Just, uh, that's amazing. Like I'm lost for words, and um, I guess um, I guess when you mention like some of the thoughts around suicide, like at any point were you worried you were going to act on it or was there even like a trigger in your head that oh like this is bad or like what was it like going through that um kind of phase in your life it's terrifying because you can't hide from it i'll just give you a specific example i'd be standing on the edge of a railway and all of a sudden i'm thinking what if i just jump right now it'll be all over just quickly Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be even just like cooking my meals and I'm like, what if I just turn this knife this way and just run into it? What would happen? You know, I'm in the shower, just having a shower and I'm looking at my taps. I'm like, what if I just bang my head in my tap? Or even in the mirror, what if I just bang my head on the mirror? Mm-hmm. What if I took this whole bottle of pills? I'm looking outside my window because I used to live on the 21st floor. I'm like, what if I just jumped out of this window? That's how my mind was working. Mm-hmm. every single time every day almost every hour but then I would always laugh because that's how I deal with pain first of all I laugh I, I try to find humor in it I remember thinking where wow like I'm way too narcissistic to really go through it so, <laughs> I, so I'd get, I'll go I'll get a moment where I'm like yes fucking do it just do it you're worthless you're a piece of shit just get it done with and then I'd snap out of it I'm like wait wait no I'm too fly for this. I'd say something like that in my head, (laughs) you know, just to help me um, snap out of it. That really helped me. Um, And, you know, Nelson Mandela's tale, like his whole story, I really subscribe to that as well. Because I used to look at his 27 years locked up in that box. I I mean, I can't compare to whatever it is that he went through. But for me, I used to look at that kind of, confinement as is the same as what I was dealing with as well. So reading his words helped me snap up it, but you, that's how my mind was working mm-hmm. every, every single time, every single yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And metaphorically, I get it too, right? Like uh, you were, you felt confined, you felt prisoned mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. you just couldn't be yourself or you didn't feel safe to be yourself. Yeah. So you, you were locked up in a way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you were looking for freedom. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I guess, you know, with like, so, so you've mentioned therapy and all of that, like, what's your journey been since like the, that late 2018 and, and your mom coming and, you know, supporting you and kind of guiding you from there on, like, how have you been able to uh, keep, keep that same mindset and, and continue on that journey of self-love and, and uh, how's therapy been helping you? 
Well, I, the one thing is I'm consistent with the basics. When, when I talk about the basics, I'm talking about maintaining, you know, a good diet, exercise, et cetera, which is really important. Some people, they, they understate how important it, I heard it in, even, you know, podcast, um, mm-hmm. challenge thoughts, uh, yeah. the, the author of that book was talking about the same thing, mm-hmm. getting back to the basics. I think she actually used the same phrase. Yes, if I she did. Correctly. Yeah. And she even said that people underestimate how revolutionary that is just to wake up and make sure you've eaten your three meals, healthy meals and be consistent with that. So that's really helped me and bury myself in books. I read a lot of what I like to call tales of resilience. I pick certain people that have fought so many fights in their life in any, any area, whether it's an entertainment industry, sports or whatever politics. I like to listen to stories like that because you, you get to hear how somebody was able to turn the corner when they also fell. So that also keeps me inspired. And I, um, I did what I like to call a social detox way back when as well, where I looked at my social circle to mm-hmm. see who actually added value in my life, right? Who actually called me out and what, what would help me with accountability in my life. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember there was no one at the time. <laughs> so I had to... I had to scratch. I had to start from scratch. So that really helped because you become the people you surround with. Absolutely. That's that's another thing people forget. That's a huge part of how you like handle yourself. If you surround yourself with somebody who has similar values, it helps you. But if they don't, then you become that person without you knowing it. Absolutely. Um, You're, you are a product of your environment, right? And like you said, we underestimate how the, the, this, our social circles have a huge influence in our lives. Like yeah. if you're surrounded by negativity, guess yeah. what? It's going to pull you down. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So, yeah. so, so I guess, sorry, like, so, you know, you're, you're sticking to the basics and then you did a whole detox. And then what mm-hmm. were some of the other things you, you built into your life and, and you continue to do today? I cut down drinking and all the yeah. drugs. I cut all of that down three years sober. I um, I realized that I need at least two to three people in my life that I can have vulnerable conversations with without feeling any shame. Somebody who's not going to judge me, somebody who is going to see the good in me no matter what I've done, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember like setting, once I finished the details, like I said, I set those people aside for myself. Um, and also obviously therapy and being comfortable with therapy. I want to say that again, being comfortable with therapy, because I feel in my community, especially in the Black community, well, I speak for the Zimbabwean community, um, at least right now, things are changing, but there's still kind of this minor stigma that when you go to therapy, you're supposed to be suffering from, from, from some kind of mental, um, severe mental illness, you know, which mm-hmm. is the case sometimes, but it creates this notion that you shouldn't go and talk to somebody to get that objective, that valuable objective piece of advice to help you uh, build your life. So I want to say this again, there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to have been having suicidal thoughts just like I was for you to go to therapy. It's just so important to have somebody that isn't involved in your life to look at you as a canvas and pinpoint your black holes, right? So that you mm-hmm. can start fixing them. Mm-hmm. So therapy definitely has helped me. And I think another thing that has helped me as well is just really, really practicing self-accountability and understanding that 
it is my responsibility to keep this ship going. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I have, like, I, I can't give up. I've already, I, I've seen what the dark side looks like. So I just have to keep going. That mm-hmm. conversations with, like, with myself, that's, yeah. that's what's a big thing, talking yeah. to myself. Yeah. You know, that's what, it's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. As long as you're having positive conversations, right? Uh, it's know? when you, yeah, the negative self-talk doesn't help, but you're right. I think we, we underestimate the, the power of having those positive conversations with ourselves Cause I think that's, we're yeah. our biggest critics, right? Yeah. Um, so no, I'm, you know, I'm super happy to hear that. And, and a lot of the stuff you've mentioned is pretty much everyone that has been on this podcast has mentioned in terms of what's helped them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, you, you're obviously continuing to do that work on yourself, but you're also now, uh, supporting others or being an activist. And what has that been like? Uh, how do you, do you feel like there's uh, in the community, there's people who are valuing the the work you're doing and everything you're bringing? Because you're almost like a role model for for most, right? By speaking up and being an activist. I, you know, that's my hope. That's my hope, and that's the kind of legacy that I want, that I want to leave anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been definitely life changing because it gives me an opportunity to continue retelling my story, and the more I tell my story, the more I get more and more proud of it. Right. Mm. Um, which I just want to say thank you again for bringing me on this podcast, because that's just yet another opportunity for me to continue telling that story. So it's been life changing because I've been learning. Um, I've been learning how to. Just allow your truth to be what it is, because I feel like I used to be someone that used to sugarcoat things mm. a lot. Uh, you know, especially early before I started doing the work, you know, pre pre 2018. So starting to do things like my podcast or, you know, signing up for speaking engagements has allowed me to learn that people will connect so much with you. If you just say it as it, say it, say it as it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, just say it as it is and be like, this is, this is it. This is it, man. Take it or leave it. Are you uncomfortable? Cool. That's good. That's what yeah. I want you to feel like. I want you to be uncomfortable. So that's been another thing that I've kind of um, realized as well. And, um, I've also realized that, um, you know, it's, I think one of the other things too is realizing that it's not just about me too. I also have to remember that it's, even as I do that, um, especially when you're walking in a room where you're trying to convince people about something, I, I'm learning that you have, you have to also make spaces for their perceptions and their stories. You know, yes, you suffered, yes, you've gone through this, but I, that's a new thing that I'm learning that even if I have a gospel to preach, I have to respect the people in the room as well so mm-hmm. those are some of the things that i've been finding and learning actually yeah, I've been so, doing. yeah so like can you explain that a little bit more so when when you are speaking to people in a room yeah um what does that look like in terms of respecting their own struggles because everyone's struggles different right so <clears> how <throat> are you giving uh them that safe space um where where it's like understanding their struggles may be different it's a mixture of listening more and speaking more deliberately, deliberate, deliberately, you know, yeah. um, instead of listening to respond defensively, I'm listening to understand someone's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you an example. Just literally two hours ago, I was presenting a speech that I'm hoping to uh, end up showcasing at one of the Black History Month 
Faculty Month events at my work. So I was showcasing it to this couple, right? And I remember one of the things that they were saying is, because the speech itself is centered around coming out and the notion of it and the struggle, but I've you know, gone through with it. And I talk a lot about religion because it's a big part of, of yeah. my of the Zimbabwean culture. So I remember they were, they were giving me feedback and they were telling me something like, wait, when you're presenting this speech, I, you need to remember that you don't want to sound like you're attacking Christian principles in general. You want to make sure it's obvious that you're just attacking the way Christian principles are used by other people to spread hate. Mm-hmm. So that's, that gives you a specific example of what it looks like when I'm in a room and I'm, I'm interacting and I'm respecting that person's percep- perception, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding that it's not discrediting my story, it's just how they see things and that's okay. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be. Of course. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do know what you mean. It, it has been uh, a challenge for myself as well is it's, it's always easier to, to get defensive and, and, you know, feel like, well, what do you mean? Like, I disagree. And <laughs> it's like, it does take a lot of work to, to step out and be comfortable with your own perspective and in, in yourself to be able to accept that there's multiple perspectives. And often when we do end up listening to people, that is when we can collaborate and and come up with even better ideas right and and I, I do talk about a lot of the stuff around where we typically have our own blinders on and our own biases and and being open and willing to listen makes a huge difference so so mm-hmm. i think that's equally important in some a lot of the work you're doing uh, as have as you've highlighted um i guess with with the activism and the therapy and the self-work like What's uh, what's like a, in the future for you? Where are you planning on going with all of this? And what's your goal? And I know you meant, mentioned that part of it is having this legacy of, of in, uh, liberating others and encouraging others through your own story. But what does that look like in five to 10 years from now? You know, it, that's, that's always a hard question, isn't it? What do you want your future to look like five, 10 years from now? And when someone asks me that, usually I, I paint this picture of, you know, I want to have my own TV show. I want to, I want to interview Trevor Noah. Yeah. I want, I want to have released like two books, yeah. you know, and that's what I was going to say. I, that's what I was actually going to tell you. I was going to say, Hey, I want my podcast to be much bigger than it is. I want, yeah. you know, to have hopefully a, a, a show. I want to hopefully have a book, book deal, doing tours and public speaking internationally. That's great. But now when I really think about it more um, intentionally, uh, what I want in five to 10 years, I want to still have the same fight that I have right now. As long as I'm just as resilient as I am right now, then I know I'm going to be okay. So that's what I want my future to be. I want to be still out here. I want to be still going, falling, getting up, falling, getting up, crying about it, getting up anyway, cussing mm-hmm. about it, putting one foot in front of the other anyway. That's what I want my future to be five to 10 years from now, 20, 30 for however long, you know, I have gift, the gift of life that I have, the duration of it all. So yeah, yeah, that's no, that's that's time. beautiful. Yeah. And I think uh, Mandela had a, a quote on that too, right? Like, uh, judge me by not by my success, but by the amount of times I fell down and got back up again. Mm-hmm. I think I butchered mm-hmm. it, but it was something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's the yeah. whole uh, concept of resilience. So I'm, you know, again, like I, 
Um, and I'm, I'm amazed at uh, everything you've talked about and, and uh, it's such a beautiful message that you have even for the future. Um, mm -hmm. I guess one of the last questions I do have for you is for, for people that are struggling, whether it's, you know, uh, if, if they, if they want to come out and they don't know how, because they're worried about the judgment or just the fear of coming out, um, what's, you know, what kind of message would you give them like, uh, in terms of encouragement or support? Like, cause you know, we hear about kids or even adults struggling on a daily basis to accept who they are and, and uh, facing that identity and being able to tell their families and friends. There's two things. The mm -hmm. first one, which I wish I had done is taking the time to understand myself and fully accept me first before making a declaration. I just kind of threw it out there. It's like, guess what? I'm gay, deal with it. Um, so I would suggest to anyone who's struggling with it right now, give yourself the time to fully own it yourself and realize that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It's part of you, but not necessarily the whole of you, right? And work on developing that self-love language in a way that works for you. So that's number one, take your time. Um, and the other thing too is I would say you don't have to make such a huge public decoration because in this age of social media, especially celebrities, you know, it's, you, who, can, who can blame them? It's still culture. It's all about gimmicks and, and fanfare. You see someone coming out by posting this huge social media post. You know, I went through this, I went through that. And I'm not discrediting their story or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's great. They're doing it their own way. But I think that will also put pressure on people that are in the closet to do it that way. And you don't have to. Mm -hmm. Not the whole world necessarily needs to know about, yeah. like, your, your identity, just as heterosexuals don't necessarily have to come out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did yeah. You have, like, you know, like, <laughs> no, no straight man or woman. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm straight, you guys. Guess <laughs> what? This is what? Nobody had to do that. So no. there's no obligation on you to make it so grand and public. Mm -hmm. Do it your own way as long as it's the way of the truth. Yeah. That's what matters. So if it means your way of the truth is telling one or two people and then waiting years before you move on to the next, that's you. Yeah. That's, that's your story. Just walk in it. Fine. As long yeah. as, like I said, you're making those small steps to walk in your truth, then do it that way. Um, that's, I think that's the pretty much most of the advice that I would give to somebody who's struggling with uh, coming out. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> no, it does. And I think that's amazing. And, and you're right. Like it, you know, for, for anyone, they can choose how they want to share their story, right? It's not mm -hmm. for anyone else to dictate. Um, mm -hmm. And it's owning the truth. And I think that's the biggest piece is when you own that truth, and you accept it, then you have this power, right? Because you, you are comfortable with who you are. And mm -hmm. what anyone else thinks doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, there's one more thing that I forgot to add here is don't be so focused on the reaction and how it's going to be perceived. Um, and be okay with the fact that when you do finally share your story, there's going to be a lot of anger. There's going to be a lot of rejection or neglect, whichever way you want to put it. There's going to be a lot of ugly words shared between people 
between you and somebody that you loved and that, that you thought loved you dearly, but then now everything has switched because they now know the side of you. So I would say to that person, when it happens such that your grandmother or your mother or your sister or your cousin or your best friend of 30 years all of a sudden forsake you, forsakes you when you when you tell them about yourself, don't take it personally and also be respectful of the fact that that person has had this story in their head of who you are as a person and you've just changed it, right? You've mm-hmm. just literally switched it up. Mm-hmm. They had this perception of you for years and then you've just kind of come on and say, oh, actually, oops, that's not what it is. Yeah. So you, you have to give them time to do what they need to do to either say, okay, I'm here for you or I don't want you in my life. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Don't beat yourself down for that because people have the right to choose how they want to respond to things, whether yeah. it's hateful or not. So I yeah. really would, especially for my community, because it's going to be a lot of get out of my house, get out of this community, leave. We don't want to see you. There's going to be a lot of that, mm-hmm. but just let it be and don't let it box you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. No. And again, that's, that's amazing advice. And I think part of the fear is but being um, shamed and yeah. being like cut off right from whether it's a family or being estranged by your friends like you know I think uh again my story is nowhere near yours in terms of complexity or or like the challenges but you know I've also had fears of being myself or telling my family who I really am I've had to mm-hmm. adopt this image of you know an East Indian boy <laughs> in the culture right so yeah. um i i can attest to that i i guess you know there is that fear of being uh not accepted right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and i think that's the challenge we need to come uh face together and support each other through yeah people are entitled to their own version of their truth just as you're entitled to your own so hey if somebody decides to walk away from your life maybe that's a big blessing yeah 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 exactly (laughs) yeah i mean there's different ways of looking at it right if they can't accept you for who you are then they're probably best not being in your life so yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah that's great and i i guess you know as we come to an end like for people that want to get a hold of you or just reach out to you if anyone's got questions or they just want to chat and get to know you a bit more what's the best way of finding you out there (laughs) Um, I, Instagram. Instagram is definitely the best way. Um, you can find me at Mandela's Disciple, M-A-N-D-E-L-A-S-D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E, at Mandela's Disciple. I am starting to get into the Twitter again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a slow incline. You can find me at Shade Activist, S-H-A-D-E Activist, um, on Twitter. Um, and I do have a podcast as well. It's called The Self-Love Monologues. And I'm hoping that you will be showing up as one of my guests as well. But yes, um, I recommend you look me up on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts. Literally, if you search the phrase, the self-love monologue, I just pop up right at the top. Yeah. Join the conversations. Because I, I, just like you, I also sit down and listen to people's uh, tales of resilience, what they've had to do. And I don't just focus on suicide or depression. I, yeah had conversations about uh, childhood sexual abuse, um, you know, colorism um, and, and generational trauma as a black person. It, there's just so many things that I cover in the podcast, not just that. So yeah. 
Yeah, no, for sure. No, (laughs) and they're all very, very important topics. And as we know right now in the current world we're living in, like mental health has become a huge, huge concern and uh, it's something we need to be all focusing on and talking about. So, you know, again, I commend you for all the work you're doing. And um, yeah, like I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and sharing your story and being vulnerable. Like, um, you know, like, yeah, I'm super grateful to get to hear it firsthand. And, uh, you know, everything you're doing is, is inspiring and, uh, very noble to be a voice for others. Um, you know, so, you know, I keep up the good work and, you know, I'm glad we can be in touch and have these conversations. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for you know, bringing me into this space because, like I said, it gives me a chance to continue telling my story and gives me more confidence. And you're a great host. And <laughs> I cannot wait to continue connecting with you because I, I don't know, I just get this vibe and feeling that you're just a very like, well-grounded, kind, generous person. You know, you can't take that energy. So I appreciate you for inviting me into this space. <laughs> Thank you. No, I appreciate that. Yeah.